Welcome to another episode of the Cheerful Soundman Podcast. It's a weekly show for event professionals to hear from other event professionals on the challenges and lessons of producing stellar events with a smile. I'm Eric, the owner of Bunt Backline, an event company right here in Gainesville, Florida. Today we're talking to Talia Rogers, right here from Gainesville, Florida. She's an event planner, amongst other many other things. And uh, I wanted to have her on to hear her perspective on planning events, as well as uh, she works at the university currently. and. Uh, seeing the different ways that that uh, interplays with plenty of events. But before we dive in, uh, make sure to follow our show on Instagram at The Cheerful Sound Man. Let's dive in. Welcome, Talia. What's up, Eric? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on today. It's my pleasure. I feel honored that you invited me to come. Um, tell me a little bit. Give me like the quick background. Tell us who you are, what you do, that sort of thing. So I, who I am? Me. I go professionally by Talia Felicia, F-E-L-I-C-I-A, which people pronounce Felicia, but that's wrong for by me. Felicia. How, right, exactly. You know how much I get that, like, how, by Felicia. But no, I actually have been a professional event planner since 2010. Um, started way before that. You can trace my event planning roots back to when I was a high school student in South Florida. I actually signed a contract at 17 with a large event venue down there called Signature Grand Events. And I don't think I was supposed to sign the contract, but I did. And I planned our top 10% banquet, uh, pretty much made every centerpiece in my bedroom at home, and the rest is history. I would have saved a whole lot of money had I leaned into this creative nature before I went and got three degrees, <laughs> but never too late. And so um, I actually own Talia Felicia Events and Design that's based here in Gainesville, and I also, since 2019, I've been working at the University of Florida as the event manager for the College of Journalism and Communications. Okay, so you started like a lot of us in in high school, basically when you were a youngster. Yes. And signed a contract that you probably, probably was not legally binding at all. It, it, it's fine for you to sign it. I think uh, they definitely couldn't have enforced anything on you at that point no. as a minor. Um, and then you you got into design, and then um, kind of what were the next steps there? So did you go to college right away, or I did, did you do some I, time? No, I went to college right away. Uh, my parents dropped me off here at University of Florida and they didn't come back until I got married in 2001, actually. So that was 1998. And I went to school, had a five-year plan, much like many people. Um, ended up getting married pretty young, like two, uh, yeah, I was 21 when I got married. I actually hadn't graduated college yet and decided uh, somewhere along the lines that I liked making things pretty. That's kind of where it started. And so I would be very extra during the holidays, you know. And now that I look back at those pictures, I'm like, this was trash. But, you know, you know better, you do better. So I would do this stuff and um, be the extra family member. And then I started doing things for my friends, baby showers. And it was actually at a friend's baby shower. Um, they're actually like barbecue superstars. It's Big Lee's Barbecue down in Ocala. They're my good friends. And they... We're having their first child and she, you know, Patrice was like, would you do my baby shower? And I was like, absolutely, you know, you're my girl. So did it, and mind you, again, when I look back at these pictures, I'm like, eh, whatever. But on that day, she said to me, leave your invoice on the table. I'm like, whatever, you're my friend, right. whatever. And so her and my husband and my mother-in-law actually threatened bodily harm to me if I did not start a business. <laughs> so that was where the impetus was for me actually starting my actual company. Um, took me a little bit because I'm very big on uh, 
formal training. I mean, I did tell you I went to school for like ever. And so I went and like signed up for some correspondence class and wedding planning, whatever. And, and then in 2010, after I got my MBA, I founded my company shortly after my daughter was born. And um, kind of the rest is history. I muddled through the, the newbie stuff and, you know, I did the best that I could, made my own website, which was very horrible, like trash. Um, but it was hot back then. Like, let's just, and this is Fair before enough. like super social media, you know, I think Instagram wasn't even popping for real yet. You were big, a big deal if you had a website in 2011. I had a, I had a website, mm -hmm. I had ads. I was like doing it, you know, yeah. as best as I, as I could do it, you know? So yeah, that's kind of how it all started. Friends baby shower and kind of the rest is history with that. Okay. And then, so what led you into like now you say you're at the College of Journalism. Oh, um, you oh you want to tell that story? You want to talk about entrepreneurial journey? Want, uh, I mean, that's kind of what all we're right, doing. All right, let's do let's it. Do it. All right, I'm down. You know, I'm very that's, open. So I feel like that's why I invited you. So this, okay, all you're right. going to get the real, right? So yes. basically, I was still working. When I started my business, I was actually teaching. I was a middle school math teacher at an alternative school here, doing my best to mold the young minds, but definitely stressed out and probably low-key a little depressed. Came into the room one day, my degree, one of my degrees was sitting on the floor. I'm like, that's a sign, it's time for me to go. So I literally found another job as a, basically, I had a long convoluted title, but I was a project manager. And I managed about, the administration of about $9 million of federal grant funds, 50, almost 60 like centers and 20 different agencies. So this was big. Um, but that was my dream job, and I'm holding up air quotes here, dream job and the we lost the project at university in nine months so i was faced with this was 2012. so i had had my business had some weddings here did some style shoots some you know trying to really kind of get my name out there and all those things and um i had no job and so my husband was like oh girl you could do this and i'm like i really could do a paycheck like for real <laughs> and so i ended up uh staying home um i got pregnant at, in 2013 had a little kid that came three months early. He was supposed to be born in March of 2014. He was born in December. And at that point, it really didn't make sense for me to go get another job when daycare cost $4.2 million. And <laughs> I was probably, you know. Accurate. Right, Accurate. you know what I mean? Like, it, it just, it made sense for me to really try to make a go of it. And so I ended up um, doing that. And over time, like, I started really booking and traveling all over. You know, I've been fortunate to do stuff in Belize and, South Florida and New York. So I, I had a, a good run. Um, and then about 2018, um, my client list was looking a little low. And I was like, okay, God, like, either you're going to bring the clients or you're going to bring me a job. And so I literally went looking for a job. Um, and the job that I have now, I it closed. I applied for it 10 minutes before it closed. And they called me the next day. And I was hired, like, in a few days. And so I started in... January of 2019. And so literally it was, uh, I didn't have any new business. I had actually um, up, sit, placed a bid to do a job with Google and I didn't hear anything at all. And so I was like, man, if I get this gig, I don't have to go to work. Then I happened and went to work and then Google called me six months later. That's another story for another day. But and so that's how I ended up at the university. Um, how I ended up there because I needed a job and I literally told them that I was sitting in front of the stadium during my interview and I was getting ready to go run the stadiums and um, I actually I know that my supervisor now supervisor was probably like this girl is crazy but I literally told I said I've done everything as an entrepreneur 
that you can do to make it work. Short from trying to, short from getting a loan and you know, mm -hmm. trying to beg, borrow, whatever from my family. I didn't do that, but I was like, um, I've given my house back to the bank. I've cashed out my retirement. Like I've played all my cards. I just, I don't need a lot of money. I just need some steady money. And when it's time for me to come back to it, I'll come back to it. So that's how I got there at the university. And I was the, this was a new role for them. Um, they had never had an event manager before, so I was pioneering this role mm -hmm. in that space. For the College of Journalism? For the College of Journalism, yeah. yes. And then, I don't know if the secret's out yet, but it sounds like you're transitioning out of that soon. Yes, you're right. I am transitioning uh, at the end of this year. I am going back to being a full-time entrepreneur. That is very nerve-wracking and scary. Um, <laughs> and my uh, proclivity for not being broke is, <laughs> I feel like my sensibilities is being messed with, but I have planned. And um, so what happened was right before the pandemic um, in late 2019, I was blessed to get the Google gig, do a couple of events for them. And I thought, okay, bam, this is it. This is the momentum that I needed. You know, mm. it was great, um, great money. Like the whole thing, it was a great situation. But I was exhausted because I had to manage, I could not drop any balls. My first year at CJC, I planned nearly 50 events and I'm a team of one. And so there, mind you, like these are not just, some of these are like lunches or meetings. But right, some are small, but some are some small, are but real, some are like not small. And, things, and right, right, they're real right. things. I'm also responsible for commencement, like that whole thing mm -hmm. for our college. So I knew that I had to pick one. I was like, you cannot keep running at this pace because you're going to completely burn out. Um, and I was just exhausted. And so I literally put up a banner on my website at the end of 2019 that said, you know, here you can get on my wait list. I'm not currently accepting clients. I put some date up there. I don't even remember what date it was, but I left it up there even past the date. I just kept changing the date because mentally I couldn't do it. And so I, because I do for the university what I did in my business, there was always some sort of, not that I, not that I was having a conflict of interest. If you're listening VP of conflicts, I don't have a conflict of interest and all my paperwork's done. But in terms of the time, um, if someone there was anxiety that was created because like you say you reached out to me for an event I don't own my own schedule because I'm an employee of the university right. So my allegiance is to who runs me my money every right. two weeks Absolutely. And so I was very like you gotta just you gotta chill you can't do this So there was like one maybe a few people that I was willing to do stuff for here and there because they would kind of work with me but the world fell apart. Like the whole pandemic happened. So it was good timing to have a day again. Come on, man. I was like was, so blessed. Was and I, it wasn't. And I was very blessed. And I felt horrible for my friends in the industry because like my business besties out in LA, mad shut down. Like everything's just, it was just shut down. So um, yes. So long story short, yes, still was doing things on the side, but pretty much didn't take the banner off my website till about a month ago, honestly. Um, and then soon transitioning back. And I'm also teaching. I teach at the university too. I didn't mention that, but I teach oh, event okay. management in the College of Health and Performance. So I also am an adjunct professor there and I love doing that. Like that's like my, one of my favorite things to do is to teach others. And you haven't once asked me to be a guest speaker in your class? Bro, I mean, listen, so happened? this is what had happened. What had, they happened, what had happened was I got hired in January of when was the pandemic 2020 started yeah. so i got i got the phone call i was in seattle doing an event for the college and i'm in the space needle and i got a phone call like hey 
we're ready to go we want to hire you bet i'm so excited and i'm thinking i'm going to be teaching in person this is going to be like lit lit oh. and then i end up having to do a synchronous class through zoom but don't worry. I got, now that you've said it, that's it. It's I done. Just, put it out there. Let's yeah, do it. You, Especially, am I allowed to wear my tie dye shirt? You can wear, wear what? Like, you can wear. I have to wear like a suit or something, right? Because I don't own one. Do you see way. how I'm dressed? Okay, just so we're clear. This is and so this is another like me. So I'm not gonna buy a new wardrobe for it. I'm just saying. Listen, know? I've been thugging it out for three years in my <laughs> sneakers. I don't wear ripped jeans to work. I do wear sneakers with like everything, dresses, everything. So they've gotten used to it. I, I'm not the. I am not, I think, society's picture of professionalism, but I'm the utmost professional. I just don't dress like what society says professionalism is. I don't, I don't abide uh, by that. Same construct. way I wear, basically, right. like we're twin shorts and uh, tie dye shirts. If I could day. wear the short, if I could pull off the shorts for work, I so would. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that is shifting in our culture for sure. Everything from like even. I feel like, you know, when we're about the same age, so even when we were coming out of high school and everything, even like having a tattoo is like, right. oh, you can't have exposed tattoos. I'm like, right. why not? Who cares? Like, right. it's not, it's a, they're not prison tats. Like, I you know, like, and even if they were, it's not like, yeah. you and know I, what I'm saying? I mean, I think because of, I was, I was told by someone, you know, because of what you do, how you dress is fine. And I'm on a mission to say, no, it's not just because of what I do. It's if we're all individuals and we should be able to express ourselves accordingly. But again, when somebody's running you a check, you probably should abide by, by, by their rules. Absolutely. So I absolutely make sure that I'm not dressed inappropriately for and, work. And we have a few <laughs> clients uh, that, like, we have one of our main clients mm -hmm. that, for whatever reason, long pants is very important to them with our techs. I respect even we're it. behind the counter. <laughs> but, and I do too. And we're like, we're hardcore about it. Long pants and polo when you go there. And I, that's yes. what they've asked, and they pay us well, and they treat us well, and so it's like, of and, course we're And I'm going to keep so. doing it. I, so mean, I don't mean to sound like a snob on that. No, that's not snobby. That's just real life. I mean, I rent, for my weddings, I rent $700 dresses, and then wear Air Force Ones that are metallic. <laughs> it's my thing. <laughs> um, so you're moving back into events more yes. on a full-time basis. So yes. how do you see, obviously, it's been a little crazy. You got personally sheltered pretty well by having a good consistent gig yes. which was smart as well and i had to pivot to more virtual pre we didn't do much live virtual even though like i'm working with people who they, they're really good at it that mm -hmm. nobody wanted that pressure so we did a lot of pre-produced things but still had to pivot into more virtual format yeah, um right. yeah but i was i was insulated i still i felt almost guilty actually mm -hmm. i carried a measure of guilt about it because I really wasn't affected in the way that my friends were. Mm -hmm. um, it was hard. I felt horrible, but you know. I heard a lot of that, so I went to that Engage Summit, and that yes. was a lot of people, high-end designers from all over, awesome people, great experience. Uh, that was, it was like survivor's guilt almost yeah. for like the people who either thrived or did okay, or like, yeah, I didn't have to shut down or let people out. It was, it was weird because no. I mean, I think we feel that way. I've felt that way at times. I mean, we we had a tough time, but we actually, I mean, you know, you can see we're still in business. We're, we're doing okay. Working. And we're actually, we've rehired. We actually have more employees now than we did when the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. So we've actually been ramping back up. Mm -hmm. And our sales aren't quite there yet, but they're getting there. They're getting there. And, um, you know, we're starting to see things come back really strong. So we see a very optimistic future here. Um, what are you seeing? I mean, you're on a little different side scene kind of the university and there's um, I think that that's very indicative of 
of the corporate world as well yes. because you got a lot of the same decision making processes yes. things like that what are you seeing what's your if i ask for your crystal ball today for like the next six months to a year for the events industry as far as a comeback um what are you seeing on that so i feel like one of the benefits of being in florida is willow crazy in florida it's a little different here oh, than yeah. it is <laughs> in other places but in terms of like um what's in the industry like even i think that i know live events are coming back like oh, yeah. with a vengeance um here i feel like the weddings like that in that part of the sector never really stopped for real like whatever little break they had to take they took i think and some of them got smaller they like did maybe you didn't invite everybody that, or that like definitely did happen all your aunts and uncles and grandmas didn't come but yes but now they're back to everybody's coming capacity, yeah like yeah. normal capacity um i think for corporate they're going to come back i think that by next year the top of the year we'll see them actually doing this in person but also having strong hybrid programs mm -hmm. because i i think one of the benefits was we found that we saved a lot of money on travel oh, yeah. so the money that we were spending in travel and lodging even in food in some cases yeah. we saved a lot of money so we've started even at the university um we had for the first time our like college retreat it was a it was actually a hybrid event mm -hmm. and so we had an in-person audience because everybody's not comfortable yet like some people mm -hmm. are like whatever yolo it's all good and then other people who are still moving a little more cautious or for whatever reason they need to be and so i just believe that everybody top of the year is going to feel better about coming back um i think that for legal purposes some of the larger organizations will still move very cautiously but i've been i mean i've been to event industry conferences just even this year where it's done well you know and and i think that the that the participant has to assume some risk, right? Like right. I look at it, like even in my in my contracts, in my language, I have COVID clauses, right? But even with that, I think that the people who come are comfortable with coming and the people yeah, who yeah. are not, are, they won't. And that's why we need the hybrid and we need y'all because we need to make that happen so that it's as engaging as it can be for them, even when they're not in person with us. Yeah, I've looked at it. I find it really interesting because I think I 100% agree with you, but I think it actually, it's something that we kind of should have been doing yes. since the technologies has been here. Yes. Because the other thing is I think about things like, hey, I really can only do these sessions. I can carve out one day yes. of my week this month to do these sessions at this conference. But if I were to go to the conference, it's like a five day commitment. <laughs> it's basically a work week. It goal. is. Because, you know, by the time you do all the travel and everything else, so it is very expensive, but it's mm -hmm. also, you know, you're, you're taken out of your work for, for really, well, Drew and I went to the bar and, uh, bar and restaurant expo mm -hmm. and it was really like one day of actual stuff. And we were, it was Vegas, so it was fun, right. but we were there for like three or four days and it was all stuff that if we were actually just trying to get the, yes. the nuggets of truth and like what we really needed to grow, you could watch um, on we, demand if or... we could have watched that or, you know, uh, even watched it with uh, like a chat room or a, you know a, um, not a curator but a uh, a moderator, moderator you mm -hmm. know somebody fielding questions and, and throwing the them thing out there is, I think the technology it definitely has been there mm -hmm. you know these things it's getting even better um, and I think that we do need to do it because I also think that from even a revenue standpoint you stand to do better if you give an option 
for both. You know, I found that even in the in the wedding space, there's a lot of conferences and they're literally like, look, we charging the same thing whether you come in or whether you online mm-hmm. because the content is the same. And so we're paying the same for all the speakers right. and for all the, you know, and we else. have to pay extra yeah. to make sure that it's produced well and you get it. Yep. So, I mean, I'm here for I'm here for it. Of course, I love live events because I mean, who does it right? Um, and no lie, like the virtual stuff that I've done, like the live virtual stuff that I've done has have definitely given me heart palpitations, mm-hmm. um, made my head hurt. And, you know, but I think that's just normal. Um, well, there's a lot. There's like 25 more things that can go wrong yes. versus a live event. So in a live event, you have, you know, you can always have a screen go out, a projector go out. Uh, you know, you can have a mic cutting in and out. There's always things that can happen, right? right? And But... It's not, there are fewer things in a live event that are all or nothing. Yes. Whereas there's a lot of things in a streaming event that are all or nothing. This oh. particular thing breaks or you lose your internet connection or whatever else. And it is all Or there's a system and failure and yeah. your, your program doesn't record. That happened to me this year. And to this day, nobody knows what happens. And I'm just like, we, we don't have, and we don't have the content. And that type of thing, I mean, and I, I don't even blame anyone. Like, I know it wasn't me. I don't, like, but technical issues happen. And so, you know, I tell everybody, my job, when they ask, start asking me to do technical stuff, I'm like, listen, the, the, the scope of my expertise says that I'm going to turn it off, turn it back on. And that's my troubleshooting. Fair and enough. beyond that, you, you know, should it works hire, 90% of the time. listen, it but, really does. but beyond that, you should probably hire somebody else. So that was a perfect segue in my next question. Okay. Is um, what, what in your experience, what are the biggest challenges as an event planner? Um, what are your biggest challenges with working with production companies or not even just production companies, but, you know, in that case, that live streaming provider, you know, the different elements, uh, technical elements, I guess. So I personally haven't had issues for real with production companies. Because I actually am blessed to understand what it is that you all do, right? So I've taken some time to get a little education about what has to happen. Like when I'm paying uh, XX tens of thousands of dollars for production, you know, um, I don't, I I personally haven't had any issues in terms of what I think overall, like when I talk to planners who, like when even when I was explaining about where I was coming, like I was telling some people where I was going, I'm like, you don't know bump back line? How you don't know bump back line? Like, what you mean? You don't know bump back line? And I'm explaining to them what you do because not everybody deals with production this way. Not, any, not everybody's had to yeah. get, you know, th- these type of services. I think it's a lack of education that creates the issue. So, like, I can't do what you all do. I don't even try. Like, and that's why I would just call you. the same way we don't period. do what you do. Right. And so, like, I think that... I was explaining to Drew earlier that, or maybe it was Rosina, that I um, needed to have a function. And someone wanted to have a function and they wanted to, you know, do this function and have some production, but didn't know that they needed the production, but didn't tell me that this is what they were trying to do. Um, had had I known this is what you're trying to do, I would have just called y'all and been like, yo, can you, I actually did just call y'all and you weren't available because it was last minute, right? And so we rigged it. We got some folks to rig up some stuff for us. But I think that the biggest issue is the lack of understanding about what you all actually do. And if there was like, 
not just education for what you can provide because mo most people don't know until they start looking for something that they've never heard of before right like they need a big stage or they want some light mapping which you know is a lot of work and costs a fortune and most people don't really understand what like light mapping is i know and i know how much work it is you know they're probably thinking oh he's gonna make a gobo you know that's kind of the extent of right. what i think of what some planners or you know no and i just i think that the issue comes in in trying to make something like not being able to articulate what you need but also not understanding that you all are the experts at what you do and then us just making sure that you have what you need to do what you do mm -hmm. so i i can't like say i've ever had a problem i mean because i've been fortunate you know i don't have issues i think it also comes from like I said, the education and knowing, being able to articulate what I need and tell you what I need, and then you tell me what you can and cannot do. Uh, and I think that I try to maintain very symbiotic relationships with my vendors. So I don't. I can't We've always do. enjoyed working with you. Yes, but, but and I can't wait to do more. Some of that, some of that question was selfish too, because we're trying to find so, ways to help with that education. So I can like help you. About. I mean, I can tell you how to do that. Please. So do. you need to like literally have like a talk and tell you know i think there's an assumption because like first of all do people even really know what backline is well we're, we're in the process of a name change there but, there, I mean, but i'm just saying but i mean it's valid i mean if you need a band it's valid right, right. but unless you need a band <laughs> like you don't know right? right um i know what it is i mean and i've paid a lot of money for it before like and you know for just some equipment to make sure the dj had what he needed you know what i mean right. like that whole thing mm -hmm. But I think having these type of conversations, even if doing one pagers, having like a meet and greet and talking about production You're taking that to she's giving you some marketing gold. Production right? dreams, like these are the things. And then breaking it down by industry, like by event, like segment. Like, like because, social, corporate, yes, wedding. Yes, yeah. because it looks different. Mm -hmm. You know, because I always want the most from you. I just can't afford it, right? So like I want like, LED panels that go from here to heaven, but until you get priced on that, you have no idea right. how much that kind of that kind of stuff well, costs. We get we get a lot of the uh, you know caviar uh, dreams. Yes, but I mean, some people just don't know. Like yeah. I didn't even know until I was trying to do something for the university in Seattle, and I didn't even know what the what it would cost for me to do what I was trying to do. And I got the quote, and I was like, oh, like I knew it was gonna cost, but then when I got, right. I was like, oh. That's even more serious than I thought it was. And, of course, we, I put that in my back pocket and moved away from it. So I think it's the fact that you have these conversations, that you want to encourage planners, you want people to, like, be inspired. There's also that component of this is what we really do, and here's an average of what it costs. These are some things that we've done. This is what it looks like. Like, when you did the Indian wedding, right? Like, what did you provide at the Indian wedding? You know what I mean? Like, what what parts of production, and we know that this is a – you know, multi-day affair and all those things, but just breaking it down from like, you plan this, you plan this. These are the types of things that we offer. Have you thought about this? I think people see things and don't realize like humans are making this happen sometimes, mm -hmm. yeah, especially at corporate events, right? Because you have all these activations and you just see stuff flying and you know, all these things. Or for example, like, you know, I'm a big Miami Heat fan, go Heat. I'm, I couldn't even sit at the game like a normal person. This is me the whole time. 
I'm just shifting my head around because the production was so good that that's the part that gets me. But if you're not a planner who cares about that kind of stuff, if you don't get geeked about that kind of stuff, how do you know that right. you can offer this to your clients? I remember when Chavette, you guys did something at the Phillips Center mm -hmm. and Chavette was here and I was, I still have those pictures in my phone, all those videos. I had such a good time with all this lighting, but people don't, if you, they don't know that you can offer these things, they don't necessarily know that they can have like boundless experiences. Mm -hmm. So just tell the people. You got to, you got to reach the, the little people, the big people, just all the people. Tell, tell the people. people one of the things that like frustrates me the most about this industry and i can run this back for you if you want to talk about it is the fact that we're still recording okay there has to be education for planners like i'm not saying that you gotta go get a degree i'm not saying that but it, the, my like on my like portfolio it says it can't just be pretty it has to run impeccably right like mm -hmm. it can't just be pretty it has to run impeccably so the fact that you can't get basic like elementary like stuff that is absolutely ridiculous and it's a pet peeve of mine so right now in my event management this is my advanced event management class we're doing timelines right now mm -hmm. and they probably think i'm crazy because i'm just marking up and you know whatever because that is like to me the like nerve center of how it runs and i'm so particular about a timeline a timeline has kept detailed timelines great communication has kept me out of so much junk over the last 10 years even when i've been at venues like the super five star posh you know you got to have all the insurance in the world to be there venues when their banquet captain is like no we want to do this we're like no we told your direct we sent your director of catering this this is what we agreed upon follow this don't follow whatever it is that you're trying to do so i think that just talking to them i'm talking to planners and you know getting them to find like hey do you want to find out more about what we do y'all do some bomb stuff i mean i've been following you for years like y'all do some bomb stuff like every week you. you're welcome plus you provide the lighting for my church for like you know you were doing that forever and the sound and everything so i love y'all but i think that folks just don't know it's ignorance and it's not that they're bad they just don't know i mean i think too like in our area we might be a little stuck in some ways with some things and i don't know if people are actually thinking like because you know there's trends right and people do what's trendy and i don't really like that but they do what's trendy and i think it's just making it tangible for people to know like i know that i can come get light and free from you for xx amount of dollars right like right. i know if i'm just trying to add a little flair i can come get you know up lighting and you know you roll the boxes in we charge them and we make it happen like what I want to do are all the things that fly off the screen and all that stuff, but I don't have the budget for it. But I know that I can call you when I need a couple trusses and some spots and, you know, like I know this. So I don't think people know. Yeah. With that, and that's what we're kind of trying to, we're trying to do a better job communicating that. Um, and then for us, the big thing we've been able to communicate better with the planners is we've started doing, and some of this is the technology, the software is easier and cheaper, yes. is doing the renderings. Yes. Uh, where they're very, it, it really does look exactly like what we're gonna give you. That's fine. And then that gives us an opportunity to, without having to physically set everything up, show you, hey, we can do this, this, and this with that. And then what we end up with is the client comes back and says, yes, but I have a $10,000 budget. You say. Okay, well, that rendering, and we put a price tag on yes. yeah, that rendering's a $20,000 exactly. project, right? 
they say, oh, okay, so we got, if, now that we know we got 10,000 to work with, we're, we're gonna take these elements out, we're gonna adjust these things. And so that, that visual tool has been, I would say an absolute game changer since we started using, I mean, our like actually converting events, converting mm -hmm. clients, so to speak, yes. has been through the roof oh, since we started actually just saying, hey, here's an actual picture of what you're gonna get, you know? Yes, I love it because I love sketching and drawing and trying to have some visual representation of what's gonna be, it definitely does help. The client shoot and the planner, mm -hmm. you know, see, so yeah. So what if uh, someone were planning an event and they were coming to you, mm -hmm. what are, and let's say they may, be, may or may not actually be using your services, mm -hmm. um, what are, give me like two tips or hacks for people to get to the best, most successful event? Well, the first thing for me is them knowing how much money they want to spend. Mm -hmm. I often get a lot of how much should I spend, and I have to explain that's not how budgets work. Budgets work with you deciding how much money you want to spend, and then it's my job to tell you what makes sense, what does not make sense for what it is that you want to spend. Mm -hmm. This is this for the last ten years has been my biggest issue, and I can give you like some general like okay, for example, I've had client potential clients come and say we want to have a two four hundred person wedding, and we want to have spend twenty thousand dollars, and my response to that has been, so what you gonna serve them, a chicken wing? Like legit my response, because 400 people y'all, and you want to look like something, like that's not gonna work. So yeah, under catering alone is more than half of that. Yeah. Right, I don't, like food and beverage costs, it does. Yeah. So it's be very clear about how much you want to spend, not based on what Pinterest says, not based on what your friend did, but based on- Based on your bank account. Your, ba come on, on. your bank account, <laughs> like what, and I, I asked, I ask, what is the apps? What is the number that's going to make you absolutely sick? Like that you'll throw up if we get to it. That's the number I need to know so we don't hit that, right? right. Um, that's one thing. And then two, um, so if you are a designer, you're good with logistics, talking to people doesn't annoy you, then you might be okay DIYing your wedding, right? Or your event, whatever it is. Um, I'm real big on just hire somebody. Like, even if it's not, like, hire somebody, but then also let the somebody do their job. Like, the best way, like, my what I have loved about every client that I've worked with um, is that they've let me do my job. They've let me direct them, sh like, take their ideas and make them make sense, mm -hmm. you know, actually cr help them create this vision. So understanding that you don't want to spend more than X, Y, and Z, and then the people that you hire letting them do their job because you hired them to do that is the way you're going to get the best experience and the most i find creative experience um i've actually told clients don't send me nothing else from pinterest like hey erica don't send me nothing else from pinterest and i remember when i told her that I, and i think that sometimes as service providers um we feel like we're scared to be honest I, i've actually never been scared to be honest but it, we have to be because they're counting on us to do what they came to us to do. So we have to be realistic and honest. And sometimes it doesn't feel good, it hurts, but we have to do that. So budget and then letting the professionals be pros. Mm, My best like advice. So let's, uh, I think we'll start wrapping it up soon here. But if you were not in the planning <laughs> realm. What would I do? What would you do? I would be a pediatrician and an FBI agent together and then a music producer for my second career. 
Very, I know. Very that's specific. A lot, hold on, I got. That's a lot to process. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna start with so FBI, pediatrician, FBI. So are together. you like trying to solve nope. pediatric nope. crimes? I just want to be a FBI agent. Actually, I want to be an analyst because I think like I'd be, but I've aged out. Like I literally looked this up. Like I have, I, I tried like two years ago because I had aged out. I cannot do it. I really looked this up. No lie. <laughs> I think I would be such a bomb analyst. But there's that. But I wonder. At this if, point, you might have aged out of pediatrician too, because what does it become? No, like, it's, it's never like, too late. It's like to forty be... years to become a doctor. You know? <laughs> My husband, said, I, every probably about once a quarter, I'm like, man, I'm just gonna go to medical school. He's like, go, and I'm like, bro, I'm not going to medical school. Like, I'm not doing this. Sounds but like you have a very supportive husband. He is amazing. Hey, Danny, and so he is. But I'm not going to medical. No, we're not going to medical. School. I'm too old for that now. Like, I know I'm not. If I really wanted to be a doctor, but when I was a child, I wanted to be a pediatrician. And I found a shell case, like, I found a shell casing one time. I had an affinity for guns, kind of. I still like them. I just don't own any right now because I have little kids. But I uh, I found it, and ever since, I've been fascinated. And mm. so I was like, man, I could, like, shoot things and, you know. Do the forensics. All of that. that. Like, yeah. it's so exciting. But then I'm scared of, like, dead people. So there's that part. So it wouldn't work out. You don't have to be scared and, of dead people. And I'm dead. Probably, I know. It's a, whatever. It's, and... The producer thing, I probably still will do. Yeah. I, I come from a very musical family, so right on. I, maybe one day I'll get the keyboard out and like drum machine or whatever. I mean, you, as a wedding planner, you're basically a producer of an event. I, I mean, a lot of times you call it an event producer. I absolutely and it is am. Very similar, just instead of cultivating the musical so you, experience, you're cultivating the event. And I'm glad that you said that. If I could say anything about our industry, um, you know, I think that we need to be very proud of what we do. You know, now that when I started teaching event management, I got to trace back like history of what where events started and how we affected trade in the world and just all these things like the World Fair and, you know, all these things that we do and we literally bring people together and we solve problems and we make things happen. And, you know, I was on a, a some, I don't know, some webinar um, and this guy said, as an industry, we have a very low self-esteem. And um, while I don't feel low about my self-esteem as an event manager, I often tell people, you almost got to be a freaking rocket scientist to do some of the stuff that we do because it's so many parts to manage, mm -hmm. so many things moving at one time. And you also have to uh, be able to manage your anxiety, stress, and all of those things because this is a very stressful career. And that's just period. <laughs> and, if, and if you're doing ticketed events, oh my gosh. severe mistakes can yeah. be literally millions of dollars of mistakes. If you have to give everybody in the room a refund, exactly, it can be catastrophic. Exactly, the ticketed events are things that I actually have no interest in ever doing. Mm -hmm. um, we'll stick with the corporate and the weddings and that kind of stuff, but I'm not. Uh, Y'all can keep that. You can have it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good on that part. Um, but yeah, I just would encourage people to not to keep going. I think things are getting. They're going to get better. And um, I don't know. I mean, I'm quitting my job in the middle of a pandemic. You know, I must believe in it. Yeah. Right? Hey. I'm with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think if anything, the pandemic, I think, proved the importance of our industry. Yes. Because how awful was it to not yes. have live sports? Yeah. To not have theater. To not have movie theaters. To not have all these events. Yes. Assemblies. Uh, you know, Things where we get together with other people, weddings, even funerals, right. all of it where we're gathered together. And I mean, I, I feel like if anything, it probably won't last because 
none of us have that long of an attention span. Mm -hmm. But I think if anything, there's an appreciation for, oh, wow, I really miss going to concerts. Or I really yes. miss going to conferences, even yes. conferences. But I really miss going for a week to Vegas to go, yes. you know, and have fun and see some sights and also learn new things about whatever I'm learning. Yes, and someone at the, I was at the special event down in Miami in July, and I was presenting to a group of academic education professionals, and they asked about how do we feel now that like people take more notice of event management? I'm like, yeah, because everything went virtual, and we had to run it all. Like, mm -hmm. so riding that wave, I think it, I think, I, what my hope is, my hope is that we would be looked at as the project managers that we are and that it not be dumbed down to what people think about they just think it's a party or you just order balloons or you just you know right ordering food like that there really is actual thought and that it's the same as like uh, planning your kid's birthday party or right because it's, like, it's, no, it's little, really not a lot more. you know i mean <laughs> just the fact that like i remember that one of our, like people in my building are, there's someone allergic to melon, there's someone allergic to cucumbers, like to make things inclusive for people, to have that level of diversity. Like these are things that I hope for our industry would become more common and not just be recognized in our industry when we're in the room together, but that people will understand how essential we actually are to folks and to the community. So that's my prayer. I love it. Um... All right, we do two more quick ones. I'm down. What's a band or a podcast that you are obsessed with or love at the moment that you think more people should know about? Oh. Musical artists. Oh, man, that's hard for me. Okay, so I listen I listen to a lot of Christian hip-hop. Like, that's my jam. Um, my, maybe the most traditional way to learn scripture, but I love it. So there's an artist named KB, like literally capital K, lowercase b, and he has a podcast called Southside Rabbi that I love. Um, if religion's not your thing, cool, but that's literally like the uh, one. And then I want to give you two podcasts. Do it. Um, oh, gosh, what is it called? So it's also called, there's one for the ladies that are like mompreneurs. I think it's called Mom to Mogul. It's by Jasmine Chanel. That's another one of my favorite ones that like I can listen to straight through. So for the music and the podcast, KB, and then for the podcast for the moms, Mom to Mogul. I believe that's what it is. Love it, love it. And then last one, mm -hmm. where can people follow you, connect with you, find you, seek out your services, etc. Awesome. I am at the Lux Planner, so T-H-E-L-U-X-E-P-L-A-N-N-E-R. That is me on social. I am Talia Felicia, so T-A-L-I-A-F-E-L-I-C-I-A -E -I -I on LinkedIn. And my website is www.T-H-E-L-U-X-E-P-L-A-N-N-E-R, theluxplanner.com. Nice, so Lux with an E. Lux with an E, yes. That's extra deluxe. Trademarked, that's, that's extra me. Deluxe. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much thank for coming you. on. It's a pleasure. It's it's great. I haven't seen you since before the pandemic. I know. It's lovely to see you. I can't wait to see and you more. I hope we get to see you a whole lot more in you the will. coming You'll months see and years. So, yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate on. it. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Cheerful Sound Man podcast. If you like the show, it would be awesome if you could subscribe and leave a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts. That would make our day. 
And follow us on Instagram or Facebook at The Cheerful Sound Man. Either way, thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. And we really hope you enjoyed it, and hopefully you got a little something out of it too. Can't wait until we share the next episode, which will drop next week. So stay tuned, and until then, don't suck, and don't be a jerk. Thank you.